0: I think it's something that UX writers have. It's empathy. It all starts with empathy. It's first of all, getting a clear understanding of the situation, what has happened, which time. Also in crisis management, timing can be very crucial. So it's good to know what has happened, to know what you can say at what time, basically. And, you know, see what has happened. If some mistakes have already been made, you know, you can just own up to them. That's what you are supposed to do because you cannot just block someone and say, no, like, we don't want to hear you. This is Writers in Tech, a podcast where today's top content strategists, UX writers, and content designers share their well-kept industry secrets.
1: Hello, 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 and welcome to Writers in Tech, a podcast brought to you by the UX Writing Hub. Check us out, Google us. It doesn't matter. What matters is our next guest. His name is Peter Yan. He's a really good friend of mine. I know him for the past like three years, I guess, or something like right? that. Yeah, that's crazy, right? Mm-hmm. It's gone fast. Oh my god, I met with him in person in Krakow. We went partying together too,
0: <laughs> definitely.
1: <laughs> and we had a chance also to work together in the UX Reading Hub after he participated in our program. And now we're just like good friends, and he's also a mentor in the academy. Peter, Jan. and by the way, how do you pronounce your name? It's like Ben-what? Ben-what? Benoit, yeah.
0: So my, hi, oh, everyone. it's a silent T,
1: it's a silent <laughs> yeah. T, right? It
0: is, because I mean, I'm originally from Belgium, so I'm, I'm the perfect example of a Belgium. My, my first name is Dutch, my, my last name is French, so the correct way to pronounce this oh. is Peter-Jan
1: Benoit. Nice, peter and it's like also like a silent J, like with the name, a lot of people ask me like, is it peter John? Exactly, or? so
0: it's a yeah, it's a yeah sound, so like the Y in English, basically. So I hope uh, it's all clear to everyone now. I know it's a hard one. Definitely, it looks a bit daunting in in writing, but let's hope it's clear now.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. What made you move to Krakow from Belgium?
0: Well, you know, that's a bit of a long story. So as I already said, originally, I'm from Belgium. I have a background in corporate communications, PR, but also in Eastern European studies. So during my studies, I did an Erasmus exchange in Poland. Spent some time here in Krakow, also in another city called in the west of Poland. And after my studies, I, I worked at a PR, a corporate communications agency, for about a year and a half. That was, that was quite intense, but I learned a ton about communications in general, crisis communications as well, public affairs, stuff like that. I worked for the government for a while as well, in communications as well.
1: The Belgium government.
0: Yeah, well, the Flemish government. So the the government of the Dutch speaking part of Belgium, we have a bunch of governments for such a tiny country, but let's not go too deep into that. I refer to Wikipedia, it's most Belgians don't even fully understand it, to be honest. So it's quite complicated. So I did that. And then I had a chance to do uh, to start a PhD project in linguistics at the university in Brussels, basically that didn't really work out very well. Unfortunately, I had some funding problems. And then I uh, I was out of a job. I was in between jobs. I was 30 at the time. I had just turned 30. And I thought, you know, maybe now's the chance to, to go away and travel for a bit. Like I'm never, probably never going to get this chance anymore. So I was in Central America for three months, traveled around. I started oh, wow. blogging. I started blogging. I'm a big beer fan. So I started visiting breweries all over the area in Mexico and costa rica nicaragua it was quite fun actually oh, um, and when i came back with new energy i came back to belgium started applying for jobs saw this opportunity here in krakow they were looking for a dutch speaking content editor at an it company called at the time still making waves now we've rebranded to noah ignite and that was uh, three and a half years ago and then it, i've been here over three years now already and it's been, it's been really great also because indirectly it brought me into UX writing because Anya, who we both know, who also works for UX Writing Hub, she's my colleague. Her desk is right next to me. One morning she came in and she put this blue book on her desk called Microcopy from uh, Kine Retifra. And I thought, well, what's this? Like, this looks interesting. And I read the book. I got hooked and I never looked back. And now I'm on this podcast talking to you.
1: That's amazing. That's amazing. Yes, it's been so amazing like to work with Anya and you're very professional and your background in uh, content editing kind of make you understand UX writing on a deeper level. I'm not sure why, but it feels like you understand like the idea of UX writing on a deeper level and that's why I really loved working with uh, both of you to be honest. That's
0: great. I mean that's that's uh, very happy to hear that. But I think definitely the background like in in communications and PR definitely helped and maybe also crisis mm-hmm. communications because it really makes you realize the full impact that words can and and also if you add this user journey bit it's not really just pushing like like marketing uh, messaging or or copywriting but it's really trying to create this dialogue between a product mm-hmm. and the user. That it's was the really, right? Sorry.
1: Some kind of a product narrative, right? Exactly,
0: exactly, and that was just a whole new angle of of writing copy, basically, and that was something that I got really excited about. That's also why I joined the UX Writing Academy already over two years ago, already as well. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I think you were in like the second cohort yeah or something. Now, now we're like at twelve, thirteen, something. Like something
0: that. like that. Yeah, exactly. Crazy
1: about your background in in crisis management. So that's something I'm fascinating about because like. In the UX Writing Hub, we have some crises from time to time, as you probably know. You know, yes. we have the largest community in the world for writers in tech or arguably the largest, whatever. Mm-hmm. But but we have some crises over there from time to time, you know, like stuff about politics and stuff about, like you know, words can have such a huge impact. And the community, I would say it's, it, it might be a bit sensitive also to, mm-hmm. to words. And I understand. I get that, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. And I mean, yeah, it was, it has been interesting to like observe how your community has grown over the past couple of years. But yeah, uh, as you always say, right, Yuval, with great power comes great responsibility. So, <laughs> so you need to, you need to take some kind of stance and it's a lot of work, especially in the online community. And to, also with everything that has been happening the past couple of years in the world, the, the, all the different movements that have started. Yeah, sometimes discussions will go in a certain direction, you know, and then, and then you need to watch out. Uh, not only what you say, but also who you give access, who, whose comments you block, uh, how you manage certain things. I mean, I have a bit of experience. I'm not the, the biggest uh, expert, I would say. But I mean, I'm, I'm sure, well, as we both know, it was great to be involved in those discussions and, and to help out every now and then.
1: As you speak, I'm picking up my Yeah, Spider Man, exactly. My Spider Man pop up. So, when it comes to crisis management, I'm really curious. Like, so you helped us a lot. I'm trying to think about a specific example. I don't know exactly, like, maybe like discussions about like probably democratic, like American government was something that
0: or Black Lives Matter. There was an issue there. Mm
1: -hmm. What was your approach to like? I remember like you managed the situation in such a fantastic way. So, what's like when it comes to crisis management and probably. A lot of UX writers out there, you know, even an LO message is some kind of a crisis management scenario, mm-hmm. right? Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What's your go-to when it comes to crisis management? Because you do it in such a fantastic way.
0: I think it's something that UX writers have. It's empathy. It all starts with empathy. It's First of all, getting a clear understanding of the situation, what has happened, which time. Also, in crisis management, timing can be very crucial. So it's good to know what has happened at which point, to know what you can say at what time, basically. And, you know, see what has happened. If some mistakes have already been made, you know, you can just own up to them. That's what you are supposed to do because you cannot just block someone and say, no, like, we don't want to hear you. Like, that's only going to have bad repercussions. It's normal. Like, it's normal people make mistakes. The bad thing is not owning up to them. Yes. So, so I would say definitely empathy and, and also timing and also... Make sure to react quite quickly. And if you were not able to react quite quickly, try to try to buy some time. Just, for example, if in the Facebook group, say something like, you know, we're going to turn off comments now for a second, but we're going to be reviewing... This, uh, this conversation, I will get back to right. all of you, you know? so then That's every... exactly
1: what we did, right? Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. So so then people know that you're working on it and that you're taking their opinions and, and you're taking that conversation seriously, which is very important.
1: That's That was brilliant, right? So empathy and, you know, timing and also owning it, like taking responsibility. That's really important. I think mm-hmm. this is something at the beginning, mostly I was lack of, I, I didn't have that problem. Mm-hmm. But now I'm like... Way to try to be made more. I wouldn't. You know, responsible I wouldn't say. For that stuff. Mm-hmm.
0: I wouldn't say that you were lacking it. I would. I, I. think that you just didn't realize fully what responsibility you had because when you're right. managing a community of several thousands of people, you are in a position that you're in some kind of opinion leader, right? And then whatever you say will be looked at very closely. So, so you need to be aware of that.
1: Yeah, I definitely understand. I Just uh, feel like um, you know the smallest thing i could do could create such you know huge waves out yeah. there mm-hmm. and i wasn't realizing that like i for example i ha- we had one crisis which mm-hmm. you probably remember yes that someone posted like a uh, this post and it was like a very sensitive post i'm not going to go into details right now mm-hmm. and someone else reported this post now We have thousands of people reporting stuff. Mm -hmm. And I automatically assumed the good intentions of people Mm -hmm. that if they report a post, it means that it's bad. So I just deleted that post. Yeah. And the person that, you know, published that post and I did it like, I think while I was sleeping or something even, Mm -hmm. it was just like as an automatic kind of thing without even reading it just because someone reported it. Mm -hmm. And then I deleted it and that created like a huge crisis, a huge crisis. Mm -hmm. And uh, you helped me out with it. It was amazing. Like, you know, we tried our best and I think that Mm -hmm. it still impacted many people still, Mm -hmm. but uh, we tried our best to kind of fix it.
0: Yeah. And that's what I mean with timing, right? Because certain things had happened or, okay, the post was deleted. That was a mistake. But then... So the situation is as it is, you, you cannot like keep silent about it or you shouldn't because that will only th- make things worse because, I mean, things just move on. What you're trying to need to do is try and take control of the narrative again. And that's what we did by proactively communicating something in the Facebook group saying, you know, we did this, it was a mistake, we're really sorry, you know. And then, you know, it's about taking care of your brand as well, right? Like this might even enhance your brand, make you look more human because yeah, that's what we all are at the end, right?
1: Exactly, but it's way more comfortable, I'm telling you, not to do anything. <laughs> I, I know, but,
0: but the consequences can be a lot worse. And also, I think now, ever since, because I think that happened about a year ago, a little over a year ago, as yeah, of now, all, yeah. yeah, within You're the right. team, there's a lot more communication. When something happens before any action is taken, any posts are deleted, any reactions are being posted... We're first going to discuss, right? Because if if we if you can combine a couple of minds together, then you have different points of view and the, the action that will be taken will be a lot better.
1: I learned my lesson. We <laughs> opened our Slack channel named Crisis Management. Exactly. I don't know anything without asking your permission first and so on. <laughs> That's great. So, happy to have you. All right. Very cool. I know that... Okay, so another thing that we've been working on like in the past year was we worked on an app called mm-hmm. back then able finder they rebranded themselves to kindship and that was like how our students got like the first like it was when we just started working on the real projects part of the course and then we started working with them and you were like the project management manager of that uh, part of the course because you you were initially was the first UX writer of of that product exactly and for the listeners that don't know so that's like an app that connects between children of special care the parents of children. The parents of children of special care. In Australia, their founder is Andreas, And he's also a good friend of us already. Exactly. Right? We've met yeah. with him so many times. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. And his wife, Summer. Yes. Um, I wish we could fly over to Australia one day and meet with them, right?
0: Why not? Why not? It would be great. <laughs> it would be, well, you know, like with the pandemic and stuff, let's see. Let's hope that goes away first. And then we can, oh, we can look at it yeah.
1: I think Australia is locked for like until 2024 or something. Exactly,
0: yeah. One case and one new case and it's locked down again over there. So, yeah. But let's maybe not talk about the pandemic. A lot of people have been talking about that sufficiently, I feel.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Pandemic, it happens and uh, we need to live through it. Anyway, exactly. tell me more about how was it to work with the AbleFinder as like a UX writer. It's not a non-profit company, right? It's like for-profit, but like social platform right
0: yeah exactly i mean i think they're partly nonprofit, at least I'm, I'm not sure i'm not gonna gonna say anything about that because i don't really know how their yeah, business model looks like to be honest but you know it was again i think it was you who posted something on facebook in the facebook group said saying you know we're looking for a ux writer for a volunteering project i reached out right away And then I got in touch with, and it was, it was really great from the start. He he gave me a, a tour through the app. So the app kind of works as some of the more popular dating apps we know nowadays, like Tinder and, and Bumble to give a few examples. So you see profiles popping up and you can like them or not like them. And then when both people like each, there is a match and then they can start chatting. So, and the whole story is just so, so great because, so Summer, the CEO of the company She's a speech pathologist who used to work with children with autism, and she saw in her classrooms when when parents were picking up their children that they were sometimes really isolated. You know, not only taking care of a child with special needs takes a lot of time and is a big ask, and it really has an impact on your social life. But also because their child is a little different by other parents, they are isolated sometimes as well. So they were looking for some way to bring those parents together and create like meaningful connections because they have similar experiences. They know how challenging it can be to to have a child with special needs. And just this whole was just great. Also, I personally, I I always had some kind of connection with uh, disabilities. My mom has been working for over 30 years with people with disabilities back in Belgium. My government job in, in Belgium was also for the Agency for People with Disabilities. Yeah, so it was, it was great. It was great to give back and, and with my skills then, with my skills as a UX writer. Because, I mean, those people are, people who work with people with disabilities are real heroes. It's such a challenging job on so many levels, emotionally, physically. I would not be able to do that at all. So if I can only contribute a little bit in improving their lives a little bit by being a UX writer for this app, that's, I mean, that was great. And that was, that really gave me a lot of motivation.
1: But you've been more than new excited for this app. You also managed like, I think along one year, more than 20 people that were working on it, like guiding them. Not
0: 20 people, but yeah, there was a small team. So my first assignment was uh, to review the whole app. That's the first thing that I did in terms of copy. I was in contact with the designers, also with some developers to make some updates here and there. And it was great because every, all the copy was, be, had been written by the designer was not a native uh, English speaker so there was some room for improvement and as soon as uh, I had finished that uh, so that was everything so onboarding uh, matching chat flow uh, notifications uh, also emails that were sent to the user it was really great also for my portfolio to be honest it was also a great opportunity in that regard. And then a few months later, the first students from the academy started their first project. And then I was helping them out. I wrote the brief for that project and was uh, answering questions when they were working on the project. I don't remember what project they were working on, to be honest. I so think I remember was, like
1: uh-huh. three, three different projects already, like yeah, along the time. Exactly. And I, I don't remember how many people worked in each team. I thought mm-hmm. it was 20, but if it's not, it's, it's definitely more than 10, right?
0: I, I think it must have been something like that, yeah. Around 10, probably. Mm-hmm. And then after afterwards, there were a few of those students who joined as volunteers as well in the day-to-day work for Kindship. And then we created a content style guide. We we had a lo- some little meetings with the writers. So for a few months, we were working with, I think, four or five writers on the product. And that was a great experience. But, you know, it's volunteering and people are busy. So some people dropped off and then some new people came. So it's on and off a little bit. But, you know, there are always nice, some nice challenges there.
1: So I remember like the assignments. So first of all, we had a lot of research assignments. That's something mm-hmm. I remember. We yeah. had also the icebreakers assignments yeah. to create mm-hmm. copy that. Will engage people in a better way. Mm-hmm. We had emails. I remember that at some yep. point we had also push notifications. At some point, mm-hmm. we had research for dating apps. So people were like doing research on Tinder, Bumble, and so. And
0: privacy. That was actually, in my opinion, the we're most right. interesting. That was the most interesting one because as the product evolved, we started to understand that privacy is actually the reason why the target audience, the parents were coming to the app because there are groups on Facebook, on Instagram of communities of, of parents of children with a disability. But every now and then there are trolls and people who steal pictures or steal data and then put them into hate groups, which is an awful and disgusting thing to do. I cannot imagine so weird. why people why? would do that.
1: Yeah. Why?
0: Exactly. Why? I mean, why take a picture of somebody of a child with a disability and, and start, you know, making fun of it? I I don't understand. But in any way, you know, so the safety for them was very important, and that was like a big threshold for them to join the app. So we asked the students to do some additional research and also to come up with some suggestions within the product, or let's say with emails or notifications or whatever, how we could ensure or how we could convince the the users to to really join the app and and and. Tell them, you know, this is a safe space. Like all the data, all the data that's here, nothing's going to happen with that. You're safe, you know?
1: And that was with, like, I remember that was with, I think, uh, the second batch of students. Yeah. yeah. uh, So what was the outcome of that specific project, for example? Like, uh, it was eventually implemented in the product, uh, I assume. And do you have, like, the metrics and the impact of it? or Uh, or Not not
0: really, no. No, not really. I know that the research outcomes have been, I mean, they have been discussed. And uh, also in the different teams. So there were different teams for different flows within the product. And they were looking for certain things to add certain functionalities. And I know some things have been added. And so for example, to make your child anonymous, to make your picture blurry. Also, I think there is a functionality that you're not able to make screenshots. So those are all things that really support that message of safety and and, and privacy.
1: And they're based on like the the privacy research, I assume.
0: Yes. Yes, exactly.
1: That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, really cool. And that's only from like one out of like few projects. Yes, exactly. And that's something that proved me that like a team of writers mm-hmm. uh, could create such a huge impact on like a digital experience, like a team that is like focused only for like one month. The real mm-hmm. project part is only one month. But if all of them are focused towards the same direction and, mm-hmm. you know, they have someone that create focus for them. And in that case, by the way, it was you. So, you know, you wrote a brief. And uh, you, you were the touch point with AbleFinder slash Kindship, mm-hmm. so that was definitely you. We also used the briefs that you've created as a template for right, the yeah. next brief, so you know they were really good. That's great. Happy to hear. Thanks. Taught me how, like, a team of writers that are focused for only one month, and even mm-hmm. if it's like not their full-time thing, but like something that they're doing for a few hours a week, yeah, mm-hmm. could be life-changing
0: exactly yeah and i mean that's also the whole real life project thing is the real asset of the academy of the ux writing hub i think i mean it's not only learning and not only working on your projects a fictional project but then also getting some real life experience and communicating with clients and and working as a team and so i I think that is definitely a great aspect of of the course
1: i agree would you like to work full-time in a product team at some point
0: Maybe who knows? You know, like right now in my job, I, I really I'm really enjoying myself, and I still have the feeling that I can still grow and that I can make uh, things happen. Because uh, my company is an IT consultancy company, and me and Anya, we've been pushing a lot to like we've been pushing a lot to offer UX writing as a, And I mean, we have had a few projects, which is really great.
1: I know Galina from she did it for like a bank or something like that, and now she works at the bank. And uh, sorry, who was that? A uh, Galina is her name.
0: Karina, yeah, Exactly. Yeah, yeah. She she was working for for a Swiss bank. Exactly. Yeah, for a Swiss bank as a UX writer. But I mean, Anya and me have also worked on a fintech app, also on a workout app as a UX writer. But you know, maybe it would be uh, it would be interesting to be uh, to be working full time in a product company. But you know, we'll see where we'll uh, we'll see that when we get there. I guess.
1: Uh, that's awesome. Yeah. I, I like, the reason I brought up like names that I remember how. Mm-hmm you brought the UX writing notion to to that company because that company that you work for are working with like the biggest, you know, banks and stuff and, Mm -hmm. you know, different kinds of websites owned by governments without putting out Mm -hmm. names, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the fact that you've been bringing the the UX writing vibes to that company that's working with such huge companies as well is uh, could really make a change.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's not only me. It was also Anya. We're like the, the UX writing tandem in our company. And people know when they see our faces that we're probably going to start talking about UX writing. <laughs> I think they're probably already sick of it, to be honest. But yeah, I mean, at least people remember. And when there is some kind of proposal that they're preparing for a clients, they always have, they start having this reflex. Project managers start having this reflex of, okay, maybe we can involve them in this. You know, maybe there's some upselling that we can do.
1: Nice. And you have also like your own local meetup group for... Crackle, yuk sweaters, right?
0: Yeah, that we 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 wanted to meet the the very first time in March, twenty twenty, but then we all know what happened then, so that didn't really work out. But we had a few online meetups, and I mean, it was uh, it was great. Like it's been going through the country apparently because it was in June or May, I think. It was the first real UX writers conference, Poland, that was organized by, I think, two uh, ladies, two uh, UX designers who are based in Warsaw. So that was pretty cool. First conference in Polish. Also a nice challenge for me because I, I gave a talk in Polish about Kindship. And I mean, you know, it's, it was a challenge that I kind of had to do because the, the setup was perfect. The presentations were recorded before the conference and then people could log in in the platform and choose their videos. So I didn't have the stress of, of having to do it live. So it was, nice. it was a pretty nice experience. Also, yeah, another challenge, you know, just to push myself to, to speak another language or to talk about UX writing in another language.
1: Oh my God, I can't wait for the time that we could travel and I could visit Krakow again. Yeah. And we could all hang out and eat some pierogies. And exactly. Stuff. And
0: go partying again, like last time.
1: <laughs> you know, exactly. I you know, I'm, you know, I'm like half Polish. Yeah, 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 like totally. Polish. Yeah, exactly. So I'm like, you know, getting into my roots. <laughs> That's
0: great. Always, you're always welcome, as you know.
1: Right. Yeah, I love Quarko. It's fun. I've been to Belgium as well, as well by the way, okay. before, like, Werchter uh, Festival. Oh, yeah, so yeah, yeah. The biggest. That was also a good memory. I can
0: imagine. Yeah. The biggest, the biggest festival in Belgium. Yeah.
1: Have you been I there? have
0: been there twice, I think. Yeah, but what? it's been a couple of years, yeah.
1: What was the like band that you were excited the most to see? Uh, the in, first the... time it
0: was Arctic Monkeys, and last time nice. I was there was I think four years ago. Then Radiohead was headlining. Wow!
1: Whoa, whoa, yeah, whoa. yeah, that
0: was amazing. When which bands were playing when you were there?
1: I came to see Foo Fighters. Okay, yeah. And Dave, Go- the lead singer of Foo Fighters, broke his feet. Yes, within like one month prior to that. Mm-hmm. So we canceled. Mm-hmm. But I remember, like I had fun, you know. Muse was mm-hmm. were there, even though I, I don't. Like I came originally for Foo yeah. Fighters, but mm-hmm. I enjoyed more from like the indie people okay. eventually yeah. because uh, I don't like you know the weird bands in the small stages. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I found Did, it way more fun. Didn't
0: Dave Grohl play the concert, but sitting on a on a throne?
1: So that's what happened. It was in Sweden, and mm-hmm. you uh, have like a YouTube video when it's telling the whole story about how it happened. Okay. So <laughs> he, he was in Sweden, he jumped from st- stage, he broke his feet, mm-hmm. then like this doctor came. Mm-hmm. Oh, the video on YouTube is like they introduced him to the doctor that saved his feet. So that's, oh, the, wow. look it up on YouTube. Yeah, sure. Anyway, he, he got back on stage, played, but then like they canceled the tour and didn't make it to oh, that's So oh, that, that was a bummer.
0: Yeah, definitely. Definitely. But I mean, you know, at least you had fun. Glad you had fun in Belgium.
1: Yeah, you know, Prodigy was there, oh, wow. and Chad Faker, mm-hmm. it was fun. Cool. The son of Bob Marley, at least one of them. Yeah, awesome. Whatever. Peter Jan, how should we name this episode?
0: You know, I knew this question would come, so yeah. I've been thinking about it. And, you know, for me personally, I think my story is a bit one about, like, taking a chance to travel, to move to Poland, to do the course, to start mentoring, to work as a volunteer. So maybe something like breaking into UX writing by taking chances.
1: Breaking into UX writing by taking chances or something like that. I originally thought because of our, like, we had a talk about mm-hmm. crisis management for UX writers. I think that the tips that you gave there were mm-hmm. extremely relevant for okay. anyone working in product as well. Okay. About owning responsibility, okay. about building the narrative, about okay. being like in a specific you know timing as well mm-hmm. even like something about you know crisis management and taking chances or something like that
0: yeah or or maybe we can refer to like the um, what is it the Mark Zuckerberg like go fast and break things like i know uh, but like <laughs> ma- ma- manage your crisis without breaking too many things or or oh. taking chances without breaking too many things or
1: oh that's good or like maybe that. we
0: can discuss it maybe later maybe we can find something that covers all these topics in some way we're
1: talking the crisis management group with Aaron and uh, uh-huh. with Anya and we'll figure it all together that's great
0: that's cool yeah awesome.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it was a lot of fun it chatting was with you. As, always, you as always as always it's a really a huge honor to work with you and to be your friend and that's to learn great. from you I mean same goes for you thank you so much
0: for for inviting me and for having this uh, this conversation as I told you I was a bit nervous but uh, you know it's just been flowing as it Always does when, uh, when we yeah. have some kind of meeting. So thanks Do a lot. Do you feel thank
1: like we, we broke the ice fast? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So yeah, it's, uh, it's cool. been
0: really chill. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you. And thank you, the listeners, for joining us for another episode of Writers in Tech. We're brought to you by the UX Writing Hub. My name is Yuval. I'm the founder of the UX Writing Hub. You definitely want to check our blog. You definitely want to check our free course, free UX Writing course at UXWritingHub.com. Uh, we have also a weekly newsletter, Check it out. It's really good. I'm telling you, we invest a lot of time in it. (laughs) That's about it. Okay, see you next time. Bye.